Traders Point. How are we doing? Hey, so good to be with you, everyone here in the room, everyone at the campuses, everyone watching online. So glad that you're spending part of your weekend with us. And before we get rolling, I just want to go ahead and already invite you back to next weekend. Next weekend, we're kicking off a brand new series of messages titled, Let's Talk About It. And what we're going to be doing on this, in this series is just grabbing all the things that we're wrestling right now. All right, like fear and anger. Let's talk about it. Addiction and depression and anxiety. Hey, let's talk about it. And let's get to the hope and the help that can only be found in Jesus. I believe this would be a great series to invite a friend to, and it'll create a lot of conversations that'll move us closer to Jesus. Uh, but as far as today goes, we are finishing up our series in Atomic Habits. And I've been loving this series. You guys been uh, making new habits, breaking up with old habits, huh? <laughs> Me too. I had two, all right? So I wanted to start working out and I wanted to stop biting my fingernails, all right? And I wanna let you know it's going, it's going great. Um, with both of those, I will say that uh, my fingernails are growing a little bit faster than my biceps, but that's okay. <laughs> Lord willing, both will grow uh, and we're gonna be in good shape moving forward. Uh, but I think it's a great series to kick things off with because I'm just gonna say this and you're like, yeah, sure, duh. 2020 was hard, all right? And uh, there's no signs that 2021 is necessarily gonna be easier. I've heard it said that, you know, it's actually 2020.1, like the software just got an upgrade and it's gonna be a little bit harder on this side of things. But what we've said as a church is we wanna be prepared. We wanna, re we wanna be ready. We wanna do everything we can to grow and adapt. I, I love the way Jackie Hill Perry said it. She said, even if next year is just like this year, I won't be. Even if 2021 doesn't change, I will. Anyone on that same vibe right now? Come what may, we're going to change no matter what we face. I'm with that. But maybe you're like me as well. And you know, it's almost the end of January and uh, you already have some doubts in the back of your mind. Doubts about yourself. Like, yeah, 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 you're going strong now. Where are you gonna be at in a month from now? What are those fingernails gonna look like come June? What are your workouts gonna look like in July? What's that scale gonna look like? What's that addiction gonna look like? And there's these doubts that come in. It's like, are we gonna be calling those habits that we broke up with by Valentine's Day? That's why I think it's one that we're all facing. So the question we wanna look at today to wrap this thing up is, how do we stay motivated? How do we not just make this a short-term thing that, that just begins and has an end date, but how do we join in on this lifelong process of staying motivated, of staying disciplined and moving further and further into health? And I think the way that we've approached this series in general has helped with motivation. Because usually, if you think about resolutions or goals or habits, this is usually the way we work from things, right? We create a goal or a resolution and we decide what are the actions we need to accomplish the goal. And then we get to how it's gonna change us. But what happens under this system is that when the goal is hit, the motivation ends, right? Like when the race ends, I'm, I'm not motivated to run anymore. When, when the scale hits that magical number, I, I, I'm not motivated anymore. But what we've done in this series, is we've said, no, 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 let's flip this. Let's focus on who we are and who we're becoming 
and then let that dictate our actions. And that'll lead us to some goals that we can create. But if we start here and we start with ourselves and the possibilities, the motivation is endless because of who we are in Jesus. But that in itself, this blessing that we have, which is our identity, our place with God, I think it also is tied to our greatest burden, our greatest hurdle that we have to address and face if we want to stay motivated. So I just wanna kick things off in Ephesians chapter two to look at our identity. Cause like I said, it's wrapped up with something that we're gonna to have to face head on to stay motivated. But look at what Ephesians two verse eight says. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So I just want to kick things off today with answering that question. Who are we? And I want you to really hear this because you can come in here with all kinds of labels, all kinds of names. But what this says is that because of God, because of our faith in him, we are God's masterpiece. That who you are is a loved child of God. You are chosen, you are adopted, you are worth dying for. That that is who you are. Does anybody know their identity this morning? That is who you are. And in that, he kind of talks about that tension that I was mentioning earlier. And it's a tension we face in every area of our life, but we see it with our faith more so than anything else. Did you catch it? He says that you were saved by grace. Saying that this is not something that you did, so you can't boast about it. And what we call this is justification. Meaning we are justified by the saving work of Jesus on a cross. It's not what we did, it's not what we will do, it was done. And when we believed, we were saved. So here's what that looks like. So on this top part, you have God who is righteous. God alone who is right in all things, who is holy and is perfect. He's up here. Humanity, me and you, we're sinners. Romans says that all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? So here we are, but it says in a moment, because of our faith, God moves us from here to here. He moves us to an undeserved spot of privilege where he makes us right. Not that anything we do, but he makes us right. Here's the tension. We've already been brought from here to here. We've already been given this incredible gift through grace, salvation. What is it that keeps us motivated? What is it that, that keeps us going? And I'm telling you, the Bible, you can tell Paul addresses some pretty wild claims because some people get this and they're like, we're saved by Jesus through grace, by faith. Let's live however we wanna live. Let's sin and try to put God's grace to the test. And Paul's like, y'all wild? Y'all are crazy. Yeah, no, you don't, you don't get it because God has rescued you. You have died to this. 
You, it is no longer you who live, but it is Jesus who lives in you. You, you can't go back to the way things once were. You, you, you can't go back to the way you used to live because God has something much more in plan, in, in plan for you. In this tension, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Bible, but this is it over and over and over again. Because the problem is we serve a very gracious God. What a problem, right? But if you look through this, this whole book, it's God placing people where they didn't deserve to be. Adam and Eve placed in paradise, not because they earned it, they were born there. You look at Israel, the whole group, God is bringing them to a, a place, a land of milk and honey because he loves them, because he wants them to be his people. You and me, we are saved by grace, given this place, positioned here, justified. And most of us, our story, the story of humanity is God placing us in positions and us losing our motivation. Us coming to God, but then slowly moving away. Us coming to God, but then the waves of culture pushing us back to the shore, pushing us to live like we once lived. And God with his hands open over and over again saying, you can still come back. Because the truth is, we were justified. We were saved one way course to hell. Saved eternity with God. But we weren't just saved from something. We were saved for something. Did you see the last line after he calls us his masterpiece? He says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, there's, a, there's another line here. And it's not just the, the justification line where God makes us right. There's this sanctification line. There's this line where God says, yes, I'm gonna save you and I'm gonna give you my spirit to empower you and to strengthen you. And then little by little, you are gonna become like me. That's what sanctification means. It's the lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus by the power of his spirit. It's saying that once you came up here, you were crucified. You shared in a death like his. Look, look at the way Galatians says it. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. My old, health, my old self has been crucified and continues to be crucified over and over again. We're dying to ourselves. The life of following Jesus is a life of a thousand deaths, but a thousand and one resurrections. It's a life of waking up every single day and saying, I'm gonna die to myself so that I can have more of you. I'm gonna die to my wants, God, so that you will give me yours. I'm gonna die to my desires, God, so that you will give me yours. And then this is what our life looks like over and over again, growing a little bit, dying to ourselves, being resurrected again, dying to ourselves over and over again, becoming more and more like Jesus until the day when we die and we move from this earth to eternity with God forever. And we get to see him face to face. But while we're here, 
We have work to do because we are not just saved from something. We are saved for something. And God has placed this on all of us. All of us have a role in this. This is God's will for our lives, to be sanctified, to become more like he is, to act with more and more of his spirit and less of our own. But how? How? Because, you know, that motivation is here within justification and sanctification, that tension. But it's also in our marriages. It's also in our, in our work. It's in every aspect of our lives where we get something really good, but then we lose motivation to keep coming, to keep going. What is that? What's the ultimate motivation killer that we need to address so that we can keep going? Keep pushing on little by little. And I'm telling you, in Atomic Habits, James Clear, telling you, he said something that at first, it was pretty profound. It took me back a second and it hit a little too close to home. Because when he talks about motivation, look at what he says. He says, the greatest threat to success is not failure, but boredom. I'm telling you, when I read that one, it hurt. Like I read that one and I had to take a step back. It's like, you ever read something and, and not want it to be true so bad? Like, you know that MJ meme? And I took that personally. That my greatest failures, I mean, my greatest why I stopped, it's not because I failed, it's because I got bored. I mean, think back to your life. When I think back to mine, the reason I stopped doing a lot of things isn't because I tapped out, it's because I walked away. It's because I got bored. Woo. And I started thinking about that and he actually does a great job of kind of what does it look like to manage that tension so that we don't live a life of, of boredom and just fade away into nothingness. But how do we stay motivated? And he calls it the Goldilocks rule, the Goldilocks rule. And here's what that looks like. If you look at this chart here, you'll see on this side going up, it's our motivation levels, right? And on down here, you have your difficulty level. And what he says is a lot of us are on one of these sides and this is why we lose our motivation. Either it's too boring, it's not fun, it's not challenging, we don't see anything happening so, so we walk away, or it's too hard. It's immediate failure over and over and over again. Immediately our, our brains are finally like, it's not, it's not fun anymore. I don't, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna do that, it's not worth it. But I think this is usually where we start. I call it the honeymoon phase, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about within marriage, but I think there's a honeymoon phase in almost everything we do. But you get married, you're on the honeymoon, and then that extends. And you, I'm not even gonna say it's your best self. It's a new self. It's not even who you really are. You're just pretending. You're just trying to think of who's the best person you could create in your mind and you're doing all those things. Like you're just texting nonstop, calling, like, hey, how's it going? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm fine, why? Are you, are you sure? Yes. Do your feet hurt? No, why? Babe, because you've been running through my mind all day. I can't wait to get home to see you. Just at home, cooking dinner and doing the dishes. Like, babe, I didn't even know you did dishes. 
You're like, oh, I do dishes all the time. I love dishes. Putting Dawn dishwasher soap in the dishwasher, closing that thing up. If you're not laughing, it's because you don't know. <laughs> Definitely shouldn't be doing that. But the honeymoon phase at work, you get your job right out of college. You're going in first day, buttoned up. You're there first. You're the one turning on the lights. You're there every day waiting for the boss to come in so he can see you. Just sitting there drinking your coffee. Hey, Jim. No, I'm here. Yep. No, early bird gets the worm. And I love worms. Dang. No, you know what I mean. See you at lunch. Coffee on me, Jim. Over the top, right? Staying early. I mean, coming in early, staying late. Honeymoon phase. Honeymoon phase with our faith. We come to believe we have this moment. We see how much God loves us. Off to the races. We are reading nonstop, just falling asleep with the Bible on our faces, waking up, praying, going to work, telling everybody everywhere about who Jesus is and all that he's done, going home, changing your whole family structure. Like guys, from here on out, this is Little House on the Prairie, all right? Shut it down. We got one book, one book only. No screens, no nothing. It's the honeymoon phase. What happens after that? Doesn't, we can't sustain it. So we swing and we swing back all the way over here to boredom, which is even more of a motivation killer than failure. This is the greatest threat. I mean, think about your marriage. You know, I'm, I've met with a lot of couples and had a lot of conversations and it's usually that. It's not that I feel like we failed, it's, it's I'm bored. It's, this is what it sounds like. I, I feel like we're in a rut. Nothing is changing. That you don't even talk about the things that bother you anymore. It's not even worth it. Because you're bored. When it comes to work, you're not showing up early anymore. You figured it out down to a formula of when you need to leave your house so that you can sit down at your cubicle as nine o'clock hits. You go into autopilot. And then after a year or two, you say, I'm just not being challenged. And then you look for a new job, thinking that that'll be the thing that challenges you. And with your faith, what does it look like to be bored? Maybe you stop going as much as you used to, you stop reading as much as you used to, you stop praying as much as you used to, you stop taking it all as seriously as you used to. Maybe you go once or watch once a month or so, just to kind of fill some kind of quota in the back of your mind to, to keep the guilt off a little bit bored. So with all of that going on, how do we do it? How do we stay motivated? Because we know we don't want to have a boring faith. And we also know that we don't want to just wake up every single day failing. So what do we do? Well, he offers this, this idea that there's actually this Goldilocks area right here. You guys know Goldie, not too hot, not too cold, just right. And what he talks about, though, is that when we're doing something to, to keep our motivation, it needs to be a little bit harder. So we need to be challenging ourselves day by day. We win some, but then we wake up wanting it over and over again. Some days we make it, some days we don't. We don't want it to be just ultimate failure over and over again. We want, we want to live right here in this area where we are being challenged and we grow little by little. That's how we hold on to our motivation. 
And I just wanna give us, for the rest of our time together today, just three practical things that we can all do this week to, to hold on to our motivation, to continue growing, to keep moving so that this isn't just something that we used to do, but that we stay committed and keep moving in the same direction. So the first thing is this, how do we, still, how do we stay motivated? Make your days bigger. Hear me, not make your days fuller. I'm not saying that you should add anything to your schedule. That's another sermon. You probably need to be taking some stuff off. Don't add more things, but treat your days bigger than what you currently are. Most days are disrespected. The most disrespected day of the week is easily Monday. Nobody looks forward to Monday. Nobody takes advantage of Monday. Monday is spent complaining either about how short the weekend was or how you wish it was still the weekend. Monday is spent looking forward to what's happening next. I can just get to hump day, Wednesday, baby. Every single day to wake up with this idea of, no, 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 it, it's, today is the day that matters. Today is the day that is filled with opportunities. Today is the day that I can take advantage of. I just need a perspective shift. There's a story um, in, in the book, Atomic Habits, where they're interviewing a guy in a wheelchair and they say, hey, can you tell us how tough it is? How limited you are by your wheelchair? And he's like, limited? By the wheelchair? He says, no, no, you're confused. By the wheelchair, that's what allows me to leave. That's, that's what allows me to go to work. This isn't limiting me. This is allowing me to do all the things that I want to do. I couldn't do it without this chair. I was thinking, what if we approached every day like that? That work isn't just some place we go to get through the week or to get a paycheck, but because of this job, this is, these are my opportunities. That I don't just go to school to get to high school, to get to college, to be done with it. No, no. What if when I go to school, that is my opportunity to make the most of it, to, to, to live a life for God, that I'm not limited by this. These are my opportunities that I get to step into every single day because it's in the little moments, the biggest moments in your life that impacted you in the biggest ways. Chances are they weren't marked on a calendar. The memories that you circle back to, like I was reminded of that this week. Me and a few people on the team were talking about uh, basketball, growing up playing. And I spent my whole life playing basketball, right? I grew up in Indiana, what else are you gonna do? And I had some amazing experiences, got to meet a lot of really cool people. Uh, it, it was amazing. But as we're talking about our favorite moments, the things that we look back on and remember, do you know what came to my mind? It wasn't a tournament, it wasn't a game, it wasn't a winning shot. It was growing up, uh, my dad used to work at a warehouse. And uh, some nights when uh, after work, he would come back and get me and he would take me to the warehouse and he had built a basketball goal. It was just a backboard and a rim and he would put it on a forklift and then raise it up to 10 feet and he would rebound for me. Why did he do that? Did he do it because he was thinking this is the moment? He's gonna look back on this. This is what it's gonna show him how to be a father, how to be disciplined. Cause I, now I know how tired you are on Friday nights and to do that was crazy. No, he did it because he was in my life because he was just trying to do one thing and one thing only to love me and to help me. And those are the things that stick out. My faith, I didn't come to Jesus at a conference, at a big event, or even on a Sunday. It happened in a car during a conversation 
That is what brought me from this spot of believing where I was and what God had done for me. It's in the little moments that a lot of times we look past because we wait, wait for the days that matter, wait for the things that, are, that really matter when it's today that matters. It's tomorrow that matters. It's every single day. And what I wanna do is just give us a prayer. Uh, it comes from 2 Thessalonians. It's a, it's a recycled prayer. Paul prayed it first, but recycling's in now. So I figure we can use this one too. But he says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Here's the prayer. God, give me the power to accomplish all the good things my faith prompts me to do. I just wanna challenge, either take a picture of that, write it down, and then every day, start your day with that prayer and see if it doesn't just immediately make your days bigger and more impactful and more urgent. That God, give me the power to accomplish all the good things my faith prompts me to do. You ever been faith prompted by your faith? It is an unbelievable experience to believe that the Spirit of God is working you, working in you in such a way that God is walking with you and queuing you up, nudging you, saying, hey, no, no, you need to do this. Go here, say this. And we get the choice to either act on that prompting or to take a step back. But I'm telling you, what kills motivation is when we quench the Spirit of God. When those nudges come, when those pushes come, when we immediately shift back to boredom and say, ah, just not a good time. I really just don't want to. But that is where God works and that is where we see motivated, when we stay motivated because we see the power of God at work. That's the first thing, make your days bigger. Second thing, don't miss twice. Don't miss twice. Here's what I mean. There was a church that, that did a study a little bit back and what they did was they looked at everyone who had been coming for a period of time and then they looked at who had stopped coming in the past six months. And what they did is they just called every person one by one and asked them a simple question. Hey, could you tell me, we noticed you used to come and then you stopped coming. Is it something we did? Is it something we said? Did you move? What was it? Do you know what the number one response was? We just got busy. You know, our schedules filled up. The kids had a thing. My work got a little bit uh, out, of, out of my schedule. That's what happens. A lot of times we don't make a conscious decision to stop doing something. We just miss once and then we miss twice. And then it just stops being something that we do. It slowly just kind of fades off into the background. And I think a lot of times the, the lie that we tell ourselves is, well, I just, I'm not as passionate. I don't have the same feelings that I did before. I, I think I, I don't know, maybe if I, if I felt more, I would go more. We think that passion is the answer to boredom, but it's not. You know, I used to have a mentor and he would say that commitment breeds passion. It's not the other way around. Those who are successful, those who stay motivated, those are the ones who are willing to show up and do what it takes even when they don't feel like it. You see, the answer to spiritual boredom 
is intentional discipleship. It's not a moment, it's intentionally taking steps closer and closer to God. It's being intentional with our lives, intentional with our growth. And that's why it's a value of our church, intentional discipleship. And what we say is this, we wanna be intentional with engaging with God's word, with prayer and in relationships. We wanna be surrounded by people that, that are stirring us along, spurring us on to do more and more to follow Jesus so that we can do those good works that he has planned for us. That we, we don't want to just drift back and, and to wait for a feeling, but we wanna say, no, no, we're willing to do the hard stuff. That we're willing to commit to it right here, right now. Because I can tell you, I have no crystal ball up here, but there will be a day this week where you don't feel like it. There will be a day when you wake up and the alarm hits and you don't want to move. You don't want to go to the gym. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to go to group. But it's little by little saying, I'm not going to miss twice. Like if you miss hitting the gym today, go tomorrow. If you missed your group last week, make sure that you don't miss it this week. Because in a moment, little by little, we can begin to fade away and lose our motivation. So that's the second thing. The third thing. Reflect and review. Reflect and review. You see, a lot of times our life goes so fast and we have horrible memories that we don't spend the time to, to, to look at how far we've come and how much has changed in such a short amount of time. Because the, remember, it, it's, it's little by little. It's not overnight. There's no get rich quick schemes. It's little by little. And if we don't have a system to reflect and to review, we create a false narrative in our head. We begin to, to create something that's not true at all. We begin to believe these lies from the devil. Lies of the devil always sound the same. You still have so far to go. You will never get there. You will never change. You will be in a rut for the rest of your life. The truth of God, the truth of God starts with, where can't you go? I did a miracle getting you from here to here. I brought you from your death in your sin to heaven. I, I, I've already done so much within you. Not look at how far you have to go. Look at how far I've brought you. Remember where you used to be. Remember how you used to be. And then remember how I showed up time in and time again. Remember how I promised you my spirit. What is it in your mind that would ever make you think that I would stop being with you now? No, no. We don't want to just focus on how far we need to go. We need to stop and to reflect and to celebrate how far God has brought us. Is there anyone here today now in this moment that you're thinking about it? And you're being reminded of how far God has brought you. We need a system to reflect and to review. Like this really comes to life for me um, in my personal life. Like uh, I'm married, uh, be married 10 years in June. I, fi I feel like I'm finally hitting a number with some substance. I got tenure in the marriage game, all right? But we have three kids and they're eight, six, and four. And I'm I'm with these kids all the time, right? All the time. Like they're here right now. Like they, we are always together. You know what I mean? 
Like they have nowhere else to go, all right? So I see them every day. And what can happen is I miss the growth because I'm so close to it. I don't get to see the little changes little by little. But a few years ago, me and my wife started doing something where we put together these photo albums by year. So we would look at from January through December and we would just pull out all the pictures and all the videos and then lay them out. And what you missed day by day, you're able to sit and to see, oh my gosh, they have changed so much. Look at how little they were in January. Look at how big they are now. Now look at how they used to talk and look at their vocabulary now. All of this, but it's missed if we don't take time to reflect and to review. So I just wanna give us something to reflect and review on every day this week, because we're gonna be praying that, right? God, help me to do what my faith prompts me to do. So here, reflect and review every day. At the end of the day, what did my faith prompt me to do? Did I do it? Did I not? Why? This cannot lead us to condemnation. This cannot lead us to guilt. This leads us, being able to stop to reflect and review, it only leads us to grace. Did, my, did I do what my faith prompted me to do? Yes. God, thank you for giving me the strength to do what only you can do. Did I do what my faith prompted me to do? No. God, give me the courage next time because I'm not going to miss twice. Give me the courage that I need to do what my faith prompts me to do. I believe if we can do those three things, Approach every day as it's bigger than what it really is, not lessening it. That if we can not miss twice and then have a system to reflect and review, I believe we can stay motivated in this season and in the seasons to come. But I just wanna ask you, right now, and just in an honest way, obviously you don't have to raise your hands, but I just wanna ask you where you are, do you have a boring faith? Like when we were talking about the faith and we were talking about not changing and not growing, was on the inside of you, is that where you relate? You're like, yeah, that's, that's kind of my life. I've, I've had the same faith for a long time. I do the same thing all the time and I haven't seen anything. I haven't put myself in a place for God to use me or to change me. I'm getting real comfortable. It's been a long time since I've lived here in that tension do you have a boring faith? Because can I just say, following Jesus is everything but boring. Following Jesus is not just a habit we pick up on the side. It is a horrible hobby. Following Jesus is offering everything that you have to a God who gave his own life for yours. And through that response, now our whole lives are living sacrifices that we are entrusted with the very spirit of God within us, growing us, changing us, having the strength to die to ourselves every day, but having the faith to know that with every death comes a resurrection, that God's grace and mercies are new every single morning. And I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna take advantage of every single one of them. Or maybe you're here today and you grew up maybe in the church and you would say it was over here, that you grew up with a faith that was around you and you were circled by it, but it didn't change anything. You went to church every Sunday, but you never saw it actually show up in people's lives. 
So you begin to think this really doesn't matter. There's no point to it. So you walked away. Or maybe you came from the other side and you grew up with a church that all you experienced was failure. You could never do enough. You could never show up enough. You could never get it right enough. And so finally you got tired of failing and eventually you walked away. Can, can I just say that there's a better way? That what Jesus offers through the gospel is not boredom and it's not failure. It is being saved by grace to know that we are sinners, fallen short. We have no way to save ourselves, but there is a good God who would come for us, who would rescue us, who would take and stand in the gap and fill it with a cross and go to it and die for me and you to remove all of this space, to take all of the sin that separated us and nail it to a cross so that we could be made new. And then in the depths of us, the holes that we feel, the lack of fulfillment, he would say, I will fill every piece of that. Nothing else can. And God wants to. And if you want to respond to that, to that gospel, we just want you to know we're here for you, that you can always text the word Jesus to 87221 and someone from our team will follow up with you. But for all of us, we need to stay motivated because the stakes are so high and because we should be the most motivated people on the planet. I mean, think about it. Think of the benefits that we get. Think of the starting spot that we get, that because of just believing in Jesus and his finished work, we are made right. We are given the spirit of God, that who we are, our identity, it's not found what people spend a lifetime searching for. Who am I? We know who we are and we know whose we are. We wake up every day knowing the world can't steal it. As hard as they try, the names, the titles, nothing. If it's not son or daughter of God, I'm not answering to it. That's who we are. How do we act? What motivates us to act? Look at Galatians. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. That's what's most important. When we've been saved, those good works, they show up through love. When pushed, what's the most important thing? Jesus said, love God with everything you got and love people. That's what it's all about. Us finding ways, taking advantage, making our days bigger than what they are. We're not limited by our days. We're not limited by our schedules. We're not limited by anything that love can't overcome. There is nothing that can steal us away. There's nothing that can stop us from expressing our faith through love. And our goal, what's our goal? Matthew 28, it's the great commission that Jesus would leave us with, that we are to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And don't stop there. Don't just stop here. No, go back with them and teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. Teach them this new way of life. Teach them this grace, teach them this love and walk with them little by little. That that's what we get called to do. And there's no end to that motivation. 
because there's no end to us growing in the likeness of God. There's no end to bringing God's kingdom from heaven to earth. There's no end to it. There's no end with the number of disciples that we can reach with the love of God. So we will not stop. We will press on little by little. And what I wanna ask you right now, everywhere, if you would stand with me. And I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray the prayer we're gonna be praying every day this week. If you join with us, and this is for everyone, standing with us online in living rooms right now. Make this prayer with us, that we will go into this together. Second Thessalonians. So we keep on praying, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you in the middle of it. God, we believe in you. We believe in a God that can do anything that is all powerful, all knowing, a God who moves heaven and earth, a God who wants a relationship with us. And God, right now, we just pray for your power. God, your power through your spirit to do what you've called us to do. Allow us to receive the prompts with a smile on our face, with eagerness, with motivation. Even when we have to ask twice, God, are you sure that's what you want me to do? Are you sure that's what you want me to say? Are you sure that's where you want me to go? And if the answer is yes, let it be yes for our lives. And God, let us go. And let us have faith to know that every time we die to something, we're gonna be resurrected in a new life with better wants and a better life and more fulfilled, not less. God, allow us to trust you with everything. God, allow us to live in that tension. There is nothing boring about following you. So God, we pray right now through your spirit that you would act, that you would move us, that you would engage us. And God, we would have the faith little by little to chase after you. God, we pray right now for everything else to fade away. And God, we offer our hearts to you. Do what you want. Have your way, God. Lead us to where you want us to go. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.